Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about the Liao Empire. On this podcast, we have previously talked about the Song Dynasty, 960 to 1279, a number of times when discussing specific topics such as Yue Fei, uh, Wen Hianxiang, and the Yang family generals. And on those occasions, I mentioned the complicated political picture that prevailed during that period. The fact is that the Song dynasty didn't stand alone. Parts of China, not just parts of what are now considered China, but then were under different regimes. And all of them flowed into the long river of history that led us to what we know of as Chinese civilization today. There is, in fact, a fair bit of ethnocentrism to focus on the Song as the central regime of this period, the one we rely on chiefly for dating in our historiography of China. Because the Song was the government led by members of the Han race. So, for the next few episodes, let's talk about the other dynasties and kingdoms that coexisted with the Song. And today, let's start with the dynasty that, even today, gives us the word for China in the Russian language. How do you say China in Russian? The word is Kitai, which in turn is a cognate for the English word Cathay, as in the airline Cathay Pacific, which was actually the word Marco Polo used for China during the last decades of the Song, when it coincided with the Mongol Empire. Indeed, the Russian word was loaned from Mongolian, and the Mongols referred to northern China as Kitai. Why is that? Well, that was the name of the empire that ruled northern China at the time, and the race of people who ran it. Or, as we pronounce the name in Mandarin, the Qidan, or in English, the Kitan. The Kitan were a nomadic people, a subgroup of ancient Mongolians. According to their own tradition, they also claimed descent from the Yellow Emperor and the Red Emperor, the mythological ancestors of the Han Chinese. For a time, the Kitan fell under the suzerainty of the Xiongnu, or the Hans. Then they formed a part of the Xianbei, one of the inner Asian nomadic races that invaded China starting in the 4th century, during the period known as Wuhu Luanhua, or the five barbarian races plunge China into chaos. During the Tang Dynasty, from the 7th 
through the beginning of the 10th century, the Kitan answered to the authority of the Tang emperors. Emperor Taizong of the Tang in particular, in 648 AD, set up a protectorate over the Kitan lands, which at the time was called Songmo, and encompassed more or less modern-day Manchuria. That said, the Kitan would periodically rebel against Tang authority. After the Anshi Rebellion dramatically weakened the Tang Empire in the mid-8th century, the Songmo Protectorate became more of a nominal thing. Ancient Kitan people actually had a tradition of holding elections once every three years. But when the Tang Dynasty finally and formally collapsed in 907, a Kitan chieftain named Yelu Abaoji rose up to claim leadership over his entire race. Taking the advice of Han Chinese advisors around him, following Chinese custom, Yelu Abaoji abolished the tradition of elections and proclaimed himself emperor. Doing so, however, provoked the resistance of other Kitan chieftains, and even his own younger brothers. In 915, Yelu Abaoji was forced to give up his role as Khan. But in the next year, he made a comeback, killed his enemies, and reclaimed the title of emperor. And he proclaimed his empire, the Great Kitan. Now, if you've paid close attention and remember the specific years when things happened, you may be thinking right now, hmm, so the Kitan Empire was founded in 916, but the Song Dynasty would not be founded until 960. So the Kitan regime actually predated the Song by several decades. And that is correct. And these decades of interregnum within China proper between the fall of the Tang in 906-907 and the founding of the Song in 960 is what we call Wu Dai Shi Guo, the Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms. Five Dynasties and Ten Kingdoms in the space of a few decades, you can imagine the chaos. For a time... The short-lived dynasty that ruled northern China, immediately bordering the newborn Kitan Empire, was the one called Hou Tang, or a later Tang, which claimed to continue the legacy of the fallen Tang dynasty. But the later Tang lasted only 14 years, from 923 to 937. In 936, one of the later Tang's generals a man of Turkic origins named Shi Jingtang rebelled against his government. And he reached out to the Kitan Empire to seek assistance. If the Kitan would ally with him and send an army to fight with him against the later Tang, Shi Jingtang promised, then when he became emperor, he would sign over the vast tract of land known as 
the sixteen provinces of Yanyun, Yanyun Shiliuto. That's the equivalent of modern-day Beijing and Tianjin and their environs, plus northern Hebei and northern Shanxi provinces. These places were of strategic importance. Geographically, once an invading army from the north has moved past the Yanyun area, there aren't any natural barriers that would slow it down. At least, not until it reached the great rivers. So, giving these places away meant putting the Chinese heartland permanently at risk of invasion. The Kitan-Shijingtang alliance succeeded in destroying the later Tang, and the Kitan Empire duly took the sixteen provinces. The Kitan leadership considered the land a stepping stone toward further southward conquests. Shi Jingtang established his own dynasty, called the Later Jing, and he humbled himself before the Kitan Emperor, saying he was only a child in comparison to that senior ruler. But for this heavy price, Shi Jingtang's dynasty lasted all of eleven years. As soon as his nephew and successor showed any dissatisfaction at being essentially a vassal of the Kitan Empire, the Kitan army invaded and destroyed his regime. This was in nine forty-seven. Upon this occasion, the Emperor Taizong of the Kitan, personal name Ye Lu De Guang, decreed that his empire henceforth would also be known as the Liao. This foray into the Chinese heartland, however, didn't last. In the face of strong resistance, the Liao army returned to their country to the north. But still. They hung on to the sixteen provinces of Yanyun, and soon thereafter, Emperor Taizong of the Liao died. His successor, Emperor Shizong of the Liao, further reformed the Liao system of government to more closely resemble Chinese bureaucracy, departing even further from tribal traditions, and. Shizong continued to seek the conquest of the Chinese heartland. Unfortunately for him, Shizong also drank too much, and had a way of beating his subordinates when drunk. In 951, while on campaign, Shizong so upset his underlings that one of them, actually a cousin, murdered him in his sleep, and then proclaimed himself. Emperor Shizong's son quickly put down the murderer's rebellion, and then acceded to the throne as Emperor Muzong. But it's fair to say that by this point, the Kitan Empire no longer enjoyed its early energy of expansion, and Muzong exhibited several 
unfortunate traits himself for a pre-modern ruler. For one thing, he took no interest in women, which makes one wonder about his sexual orientation, or perhaps he was asexual. In a regular person, this might not have been a big deal. But in an emperor, this meant that he had no children, which was a very dangerous thing indeed. He also seemed to have inherited his father's alcoholism. He drank all night and went to sleep at dawn, sleeping until the afternoon and basically never coming into work. His countrymen took to calling him the Sleeping King. With a ruler like this on the throne, Liao politics at this time was unstable, and the Liao Empire essentially gave up on its previous mission of trying to conquer the rest of China. In the end, Emperor Muzong followed his father's footsteps and was murdered by underlings in 969 AD. His brother succeeded him as Emperor Jingzong of the Liao. Jingzong was a competent emperor, but a sickly one, so he often relied on his wife, Empress Xiao, to run affairs of state. Meanwhile, in the south, the last of the five dynasties, the later Zhou, ended when one of its generals, a man named Zhao Kuangying, engineered a coup. As Roman emperors were vested with the purple when the army acclaimed them emperor, so Zhao Kuangying's men vested him with a yellow cloak, yellow being the imperial color in Chinese culture, and proclaimed him emperor. Zhao Kuangying forced the emperor of the later Zhou to abdicate. Then he named his new dynasty the Song. This was in 960 AD, and so we commonly date the beginning of the Song to this time. But, practically, years of campaigning still lay ahead of Zhao Kuangying, now Emperor Taizu of the Song, and his soldiers, because China was still splintered into multiple regimes. One by one, Zhao Kuangying destroyed these other regimes, but he still had his final goal in the north, the recovery of the 16 provinces of Yanyun. But then, in 976, Zhao Kuangying suddenly died. His brother, Zhao Guangyi, immediately succeeded him as Emperor Taizong of the Song. Some believe that this was a case of murder, of fratricide. But there is no proof either way, so we'll never know. And anyway, that's by the by. Perhaps we'll dive into the mystery in another episode. After becoming emperor in 979, Emperor Taizong of the Song launched a northward campaign to try to recover the 16 provinces. The initially successful campaign ended in abject failure when the Kitan soldiers defeated the Song army in what is now 
Beijing. Emperor Taizong himself barely got away with his life. After that, the Liao in the north and the Song in the south reached a kind of stalemate or balance of power. In 982, Emperor Jingzong of the Liao died. His ten-year-old son acceded to the throne as Emperor Shengzong. Given his minority, his mother, Empress Xiao, who already participated in government during her husband's reign anyway, served as regent. Her regency continued for twenty-seven years until Shengzong finally took full power in the year one thousand and nine. During these years, the Liao achieved a kind of renaissance. The empire adopted Buddhism as its state religion, and introduced the Chinese concept of the civil service examination. One of this podcast's early episodes was on the Yang family generals who became legendary in Chinese history. It was during this period, in particular, that. The Yang family generals repeatedly led Song armies in battles against the Liao. In reality, the Liao was more often victorious in these battles, which is why the legend surrounding the Yang family isn't so much that they won wars, but that they stayed true in defeat, and surviving family members carried on the struggle even after father. And brothers and husbands were killed. In the year 1005, during the regency of Empress Xiao, the history of the Liao-Song rivalry reached a turning point. Two years earlier, in 1003, the Liao had launched a massive invasion of the Song, led personally by Empress Xiao and her son Emperor Shengzong. The Song Emperor himself, Emperor Zhenzong, had vacated the capital for fear of his own safety. But after some time, the Liao campaign ran aground. Empress Xiao proposed terms. The Song initially refused, but then, after further fighting, they reconsidered. Finally, in January. Ten o five, the two emperors agreed to what history calls the Treaty of Tanyuan. Under the peace agreement, the border between the Song and the Liao returned to the pre-invasion lines and became permanently fixed. The Song agreed to pay the Liao one hundred thousand taels of silver each year, as well as. Two hundred thousand bolts of silk. The two emperors called each other brothers, and pledged their nations to fraternal relations. For the next one hundred and twenty years, the Liao and the Song basically maintained peace with each other. Many in the Song felt humiliated for having to pay their northern neighbors. As though in tribute, but the amount paid was 
a tiny fraction of what military expenditures would have been for the Song had there been no peace treaty. And historians point out that the Kitan of the north often used the silver paid to them to purchase goods from the Song, stimulating the economies of both countries. But the Treaty of Tanyuan did mean that the Song gave up on ever recovering the 16 provinces of Yanyun. Emperor Shengzong of the Liao died in 1031, succeeded by his son, Emperor Xinzong. The fortunes of the Liao Empire began to decline. Internal strifes riled the ruling elite. Officials grew widely corrupt. Xinzong threatened the Song with war in order to extract an increase in the annual payments under the treaty. He succeeded, but the additional money did little to help him. Emperor Daozong of the Liao, personal name Ye Lu Hongxi, came to the throne in 1063. The situation didn't improve, and he was immediately met with a rebellion that he had to put down. Side note here, 900 years later, the great Hong Kong novelist Jin Yong would write Ye Lu Hongxi into one of his epic novels, which novel then went on to be adapted for film and TV many times over. In fact, there is a new adaptation out right now, starring Donnie Yen. For this reason, of all the Liao emperors, Daozong, Ye Lu Hongxi, is more familiar to many of us than the others. Daozong died in 1101, succeeded by his grandson, known as Emperor Tianzuo. Now, one thing to remember about the, the Liao Empire, or indeed any of the ancient Chinese empires, is that each always encompassed a variety of races. We may say that the Liao was the empire of the Kitan people, but not everyone living in it was Kitan. Far from it. And at this time, one of the other races living under the rule of the Liao was a nomadic people called the Nuzhen or Jurchens. In 1112, the Tianzuo Emperor visited a Jurchen area and called for the Jurchen chieftains to join him in a feast. At the feast, an inebriated Emperor Tianzuo demanded that the chieftains dance for him. One is reminded here of the way the modern Chinese state often portrays minority races as somehow always singing and dancing. The Kitan of the Liao, not that long ago nomadic brethren of races like the Jurchens, had by now adopted the settled way of life of the Han Chinese, and they seemed to look upon the Jurchens with cringeworthy cultural condescension. The gathered chieftains did their best to humor the emperor. They danced for him. 
except one of them, a man named Wanyan Aguda, refused. He considered the demand to dance to be an insult. The Tianzhuo Emperor left soon afterward, giving the incident no further thought. But Wanyan Aguda seemed to have decided in that moment to overthrow the Liao Empire. Tribe by tribe, Wanyan Aguda brought all of the Jurchen race under his leadership. Then he rebelled against the Liao. In 1115, he proclaimed himself emperor of a new dynasty, the Jing. We'll talk about the Jing Empire in another episode. For now, all you need to know is that in 1120, the Jing or Jurchen army sacked the Liao capital, and in 1125, Jing troops finally captured the Tianzhuo Emperor. Bringing the Liao Empire officially to an end. Well, I say officially to an end, but some branch of the Kitan ruling elite escaped to modern-day Xinjiang and established a regime there that actually continued until 1218, when it finally fell to the Mongol Empire. Even so, in Chinese historiography. Generally, we're concerned with the Liao Empire in the east that fought its long duel against Song China, and generally we deem the Liao Empire as having ended by 1125. So that's the story of the Liao or Kitan Empire, the usually largely forgotten empire that nonetheless still gives us the Russian word. For China. Next week, we'll go on to talk about one of the other coexisting nations during the time of the Song Dynasty. The better to get a picture of just what a complicated and colorful time that really was. This has been Modg. Thank you for listening.